0: ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music, and more. Well, the government is under pressure to explain how a boat with 39 asylum seekers on board made it to the shores of Western Australia before the men were taken straight to an offshore processing facility on Nauru. The opposition claims the government's Operation Sovereign Borders policy is different from its own and doesn't have the funding it needs. But the Border Force has issued another statement saying that its funding is currently at the highest it's been since 2015. The person in charge is Claire O'Neill, the Minister for Home Affairs, and joins me now. Minister, welcome back to the program.
1: Good morning, Sally. Thank you
0: for having me on the show. Why wasn't this boat detected by Australia's Border Force?
1: Um, well, Sally, let me just start by saying that we ask operation sovereign borders to do something that's difficult Uh, we have a very large border in our country and boat arrivals do happen from time to time we saw that consistently under the former government and indeed in 2018 we had a situation very similar to what's emerged over the weekend where a group of people effectively came onto the beach in queensland What's critical about this is that Operation Sovereign Borders is a mature, stable set of policies. The operation swung into action in record time and the people in question were taken immediately to Nauru.
0: On the issue of funding and resources uh, for Border Force, is it correct that some of the surveillance flights uh, which have been contracted, not all of the flights that were expected were carried out due to crewing and other issues,
1: is that correct? Let me just first address the the funding questions. Um, Your listeners would have heard Peter Dutton kind of wandering around the country in a somewhat unhinged manner in the last few days telling what are easily disprovable lies about what is going on with Operation Sovereign Borders. So I just want to quickly correct the record. Our funding has increased under our government by $470 million. We have invested an additional almost half a billion dollars in this operation compared to what the previous government was looking to spend. Now, I don't want people to take that from me because this is not one politician's word against another. Take it from Michael Outram, who is the head of Australian Border Force, who released a statement yesterday saying that since his organisation was created, they have never received more resourcing for border protection than they are doing today under the Albanese Labor government. And indeed, this particular operation is better funded today than it has ever been in the past. That is a matter of fact and should not be the subject of any further conjecture by politicians or journalists around this country. So what about the
0: the deployment of these uh, resources, the flights and the contracts for those flights? Have some of those been under what was originally contracted uh, and, and expected?
1: Yeah, thanks Sally. I'm not going to comment on the specific details of how we police our borders and just to be completely clear with you and your listeners, the protection of our borders is a military-led operation which is difficult and dangerous and obviously the most valuable information for people smugglers is specifics on exactly how we go about that task. What I can tell you is that this operation is better resourced and better backed by our government than it has ever been before. I'm not going to get into the specifics, and I would just say, Sally, this used to be a clear um, bipartisan approach. We should not telegraph to people smugglers or anyone else about the specifics of how we are patrolling our borders, and it's very disappointing, reckless and damaging that in recent days Peter Dutton has chosen to depart from that. presumably because he sees that he can make political gain. But
0: Minister, there's also the issue of accountability and some of these specifics have been uh, talked about, questions have been raised and answered in forums such as Senate Estimates.
1: Sally, I'm not going to telegraph to people smugglers the specifics of how we police our borders. What I will say is that this is a very well-funded, incredibly expert operation run by one of the most senior naval officers in the country, Um, This is an operation that Australians should be proud of. It is very effective at policing our borders. We will continue to adjust our approach, of course, because the people smugglers continue to adjust their approach. What we do not need is politicians running around the country, as Peter Dutton has done, telling outright lies and indeed doing so off a base where he has no credibility in this discussion. Remember that just last week, Sally... The Richardson Review was released, which showed that while Peter Dutton was Home Affairs Minister, he oversaw a system where hundreds of millions of Australian taxpayer dollars was funnelled into companies that were engaged in alleged criminal enterprises, including drug smuggling, people smuggling and bribery. Now, that's the sort of Home Affairs Minister Peter Dutton was. I take this as a very calm, clinical approach to our borders. It's an important operation and that's why it gets the support we need under our government.
0: Minister, let's look at the care and processing of these men who are now on Nauru. Will Labor reintroduce Medivac to ensure the medical care of these men?
1: The medical care is provided by the Nauruan government. Of course, the Australian government supports and assists through the partnership that we have with the Nauruan government, which we are very grateful for. The Nauruan government, though, will manage those individuals. And this is an important message to people smugglers and anyone else listening about this. If you attempt to make it to Australia by boat, you will not be allowed to resettle in Australia. So or You will be either returned to your home country or you will be taken to Nauru and Sally in the entire time that the Albanese government has existed. Every boat and every person who has tried to undertake that mission has failed.
0: So I'll just draw you back to the question. No matter the seriousness of any medical and or psychological conditions, all of that care will be carried out on Nauru. People won't be evacuated to Australia, Detainees. Is that correct?
1: I'm confident in the way that Nauru is managing medical care, but I would say, Sally, that uh, it is not our government's intention to use Nauru as the former government did effectively as a permanent internment camp for people. Um, We are trying to work with the Nauruan government to move people through, as you would expect, under a regional process. Minister, with
0: respect, I'll I'll draw you back to the question uh, again regarding the medical care. Are you saying that medical care will be provided only on Nauru? People won't be brought to Australia for medical care?
1: I'm saying I'm confident in the conditions that are being provided by the Nauruan government. They're doing a good job of it. Human Rights Watch has previously
0: labelled Australia's offshore processing as inhumane. How long will these men be held on Nauru?
1: Well, again, this is something that the Nauruan government will be now in charge of. And I would just say to those who are disputing uh, the, the ethics of this approach, that it was not a very good humanitarian outcome when we had boatloads of people coming to Australia and many people very tragically dying because they failed and drowned in their journey to Australia. That is not, in my view, under any definition, a humanitarian approach. We have a better system of managing this now, What we do is run a very generous, proper, processed refugee program on shore that every Australian is entitled to be proud of. We do not allow boat arrivals to participate in that
0: program. Minister, I'll draw you back to the the question again. How long will these men be held on Nauru?
1: Uh, Sally, I've answered that question. It's a matter for the Nauru government.
0: But the processing, the deciding whether these people are genuine asylum
1: seekers? That is undertaken by the Nauru government.
0: Have arrangements been made for the for resettlement country for these men? Is resettlement available? Are those options there?
1: Sally, the, um, the people who arrived have been in Nauru literally for a, a series of hours. So we make processing arrangements. People would have seen that our government, after eight years of delay by the former government, was able to make arrangements for some people on Nauru to go to New Zealand. And those discussions are ongoing. So that hasn't been
0: settled as yet, but there are discussions happening around New Zealand in particular?
1: Well, we're we're in constant conversation with countries around the world about the management of this problem. The most important thing is that Operation Sovereign Borders is sacrosanct. It is being better funded by our government than it has ever been before. And Peter Dutton's destructive messaging to people smugglers needs to stop because the only people that he is helping are those criminals who benefit from what is basically a trade in human misery. Well, let's take a look at that. The situation for third country
0: asylum seekers who are in Indonesia, Australia has refused UNHCR referrals for these people who are in Indonesia since 2014. People who arrived in Indonesia prior to 2014 and were accepted as refugees are still waiting to hear from Australia as to what their future will be. And Australian support for UNHCR and IOM has been withdrawn in Indonesia since 2018. Minister, why wouldn't asylum seekers who have gone to Indonesia, why wouldn't they try and get on a boat to Australia when there is no functional queue for their claims in that country?
1: Yeah, Sally, I understand the point that you're making. And I just remind you and your listeners that we have a larger number of displaced people in the world today than we've ever had before. There are, I think the last time I looked, there was in the order of 20 million people who were displaced. So pointing to particular countries and saying, why is Australia not setting. Resettling people from here or there is just not particularly helpful. There are displaced but, people on, in this most. Is, this, is country, people this is the country. This is the country. There are displaced people in most countries in the world. But this is we the country have, where boats are have,
0: often staged from, Minister, and come here. So it is a relevant question.
1: We have one of the most generous refugee programs in the entire world. And when I talk to people, no matter what their political stripes, they are incredibly proud of that, and they are entitled to be. What people do not like. Is when the borders are not being properly controlled. And that is something that I take very seriously. And that is why our focus is Operation Sovereign Borders, making sure we have calm management of our borders, as was seen on the weekend. And we will continue to do that so we can continue to facilitate the resettlement of refugees through the proper channels.
0: Let's look on a different issue just very briefly, Uh, the High Court decision from November last year. When do you expect that the first application will be put forward for preventative detention orders? When's that coming?
1: I'm not going to put a timeline on it. It it is, uh, so just let me step back for a moment. As your listeners would remember, there was a High Court decision that was made at the end of last year, which effectively declared the powers that Minister Giles and I had used to keep people in detention as unconstitutional. It's important to understand that the the, the laws were not just deemed illegal so the Parliament could not overturn them. They were deemed unconstitutional. That is, the Parliament could not legislate to overturn the High Court's decision. We put in place a range of preventative... um, ..a a range of layers to protect the community, um, given that decision. And I've said before, if I could have kept those people in detention, I would have. One of those is the preventative detention model that you mentioned there. It is a legal inevitability that the bar and the time it will take to put people back in detention, if a court deems us able to do that, is going to be longer and higher. And we are working through those applications at the moment, but I can't put a specific timeline on it for you.
0: Is the the legislation regarding that, is is it not quite fit for purpose as yet? Does it need to be adjusted, do you think?
1: No, I don't agree with that. Um, the problem is that we are we are legislating in an area where the High Court has made a recent and quite significant um, difference of interpretation of the law. The, the reason that we chose the model that we did and it was suggested by the coalition that we use something called the high-risk terrorist offenders regime, which is what the previous government um, put in place for high-risk terrorist offenders, what we know about that regime or what we almost certainly know is that it is constitutional. So we're confident in the legal foundations there and we're working through applications at the moment and just remember that that's only one of the layers of protection that our government has put in place. We've also got a $250 million investment in ABF and AFP. We've got a community protection board that's been put in place for the first time that is assisting in the management of these individuals. We've got a new regime of ankle monitoring bracelets and curfews. That are going on to those people where appropriate so we're doing everything we can to protect the community and governments have to manage high court decisions we went to the high court we argued for them to do something different we argued strongly to retain the power to be able to detain those people the high court of australia took a different view and we now have a legal obligation to implement their decision we're doing that in a way that protects the community with every lever that we have
0: just finally, the case of the 13-year-old boy who was uh, radicalised after contact with the Australian Federal Police. His parents reached out uh, for help and this is what occurred. Uh, the AFP has said in recent weeks that it would do it again. What do you think about that case? Do you agree with that, uh, that statement from the AFP?
1: I am um, 100% supportive of the work that the AFP do. It is incredibly difficult, the work that, they, that we ask them to do every day to protect our community, What I would say is that this case does reflect what is a broader and really concerning issue, which is the increasing prevalence of young people in our caseload of people we're worried about in regard to violent extremism. Um, We are seeing people who are, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15 years old who are appearing on that caseload. They are largely radicalising themselves online, getting into networks that um, are, you know, leading them into violence. And we are taking a really close look at the moment as a government about how we can prevent these instances ending up in the hands of police because once it gets to that point, we have reached a really problematic stage. So a really serious issue and the AFP are doing fantastic work in this area.
0: Claire O'Neill, Minister for Home Affairs, thank you very much for joining me on RN Breakfast. Thanks so much, Sally. That's the Minister there, Claire O'Neill. You're listening to Breakfast. Stream any ABC radio station live and on the go. Discover new podcasts, music and audiobooks all free on the ABC Listen app.